Kia ora and welcome to the Stronger Dads Collective podcast, where we aim to help dads be stronger versions of themselves as fathers, people, and in their athletic pursuits. I'm your host, Hayden Pritchard, and you can find me at hjp underscore stronger dads on Instagram, and you can learn more about me and my coaching services at hjpmethod.co.nz. Before you finish listening today, be sure to rate and subscribe on the platform you're listening to. Right, let's get into today's episode. Kia ora and welcome to episode 42 of the Stronger Dads Collective podcast. Today I am joined by someone who you could probably, well, you could almost say that I copied his name. Um, he is Mark Novak of the Strong Dad Club, and I mean strong is a different word to stronger, so I guess we have that. Um, club is a different word to collective, so I guess we have that as well. Um but you could argue that it's almost the same name um and he's been around doing this for longer than me so um if anyone stole anyone's name it was most definitely me um so i have apologized to mark for that already um he's accepted my apology and so i feel comfortable that we can have a conversation here and you know be be amicable um but anyway, Mark is a husband and father of two. He has a three-year-old um, and a one-year-old. And as I have already uh, mentioned, he, well, I, I don't know Mark that well. So when I had my podcast with Alan a few weeks back, well, I, I don't know Mark that well. I don't know Mark at all, really. This is our first conversation. So I'm quite looking forward to it because even before we started recording, we'd started talking about things. And I had to stop us because um, we're already talking about stuff that I think people would find valuable. But um, Mark runs the Strong Dad Club on Instagram um, and you can follow it at that handle on Instagram. Um and I'm quite intrigued to have a chat to him about some of these things that he's been doing because there is in there, uh, he mentions about the Strong Dad Project. Um, there's a few different bits and pieces I've seen and I've looked at his website and kind of looked at some of the stuff he does. So uh, maybe we can have a chat about that later, Mark. But um, yep. before I get too far into explaining who you are and what you do, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. And actually, I did privately. I said I was OK with uh, you stealing my name, but publicly uh i'm not okay with it and i feel like this is going to be a good forum for me to just blast you talking <laughs> my stuff oh no, I, I do I, I do apologize so i know you mentioned that you know there's thousands of people with different variations of dads and strong in the oh, name yeah. so i mean i'll i'll yeah. just accept that i i swear that i looked it up but i must have only searched like stronger dads something and then not seen anything i thought it's sweet yeah. um rather yeah. than just strong dad and as soon as like <laughs> instagram realizes that you're into strong and dad stuff you find there's like like you said there's so many different ones like fit dad athletic dad jack yeah. dad like, and you're just like oh wow i thought i had this niche but <laughs> it's not a niche and you'll find out when you name your kids too like our uh, oldest son is named leo and we thought we were being unique and cool and then we went to uh it was like a daycare or a preschool um open house and there was like four yeah. other kids named leo there and we we're just like oh okay well guess we're not cool and you need <laughs> yeah and i know a few leos even over this side of the world mate yeah. so um it's it's definitely a bit of a popular one at the moment but it is funny because you kind of you know you think i mean you only see your own head your only thoughts in your own head don't you so you know yeah. like yourself like you know you probably checked in strong club and strong dad club and thought oh yeah there's not much there and i'm like oh yeah stronger dads yeah there's nothing there i'll just you know add collective on the end because i want it to be a group of people you know and then yeah. look, Strong Dad Club, Stronger Dads Collective. I mean, that's all. It's really someone, the exact same intent, isn't did, it? Uh, <laughs> someone did legitimately steal my stuff, though. They, it was, uh, it's called Strong Daddy France, and uh, Strong Daddy France. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they took one of my pictures of me with my son, and they had that as their 
uh, Instagram profile picture and like their first post. And then they had a website with my picture on it. Um, and they were like, what were they selling? Coaching. What? Yeah. <laughs> they literally stole you, like your stuff. Yeah. 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 So I had to Jesus. message them and figure it out. But the guy said he had like a team working for him and they did it. Um, so he, he accepted no responsibility, but they took it down. So it's all good. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess you can say you've made it if like, you know, you've got people from the other side of the world in New Zealand stealing like your name or a variation of your name. You've got people yeah. in France actually stealing your entire image. Um, yeah. <laughs> France. so I mean, you've made it like you, you could probably retire now. <laughs> Yeah, you could. That could be a name you could go with. Strong Daddy New Zealand. <laughs> Can I steal some pictures of you for my website? Yeah, well? <laughs> just send me about ten or so, and I can just recycle through them. Because once yeah, they move down yeah, the thing, like a few quotes in there. Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. So, um, one of the things that we obviously do a bit of here is kind of talk a bit about how, um, people have managed to keep active and keep, you know, doing things when they've gone from having, you know, either no kids to one kid or one kid to two kids. And well, one kid to two kids is more, you know, I've already discussed this with you, but we've got a baby due in about six days. So anytime now I could have to, you know, abandon this podcast halfway through Mark, if, if certain things yeah. happen. Um, yeah. but like you, you sort of mentioned before, and I was quite interested to dive into this quite early on um, about for you how that change from one to two was actually almost more of a challenge in terms of your scheduling, in terms of trying to keep your fitness stuff in. Um, so I was just interested to kind of dive into that. I know at in one of our messenger conversations, I sort of mentioned about how I had number two coming up. I can't remember what it was in response to, but you sort of mentioned this, that it took you about seven months or something to get into a proper routine. And I'm kind of sitting here a little bit like, yeah, surely it's not going to take me that long. But I think I've kind of forgot, A, what it was like to have a newborn, <laughs> um, and then B, the unknown fact that I don't know what it's going to be like to have a newborn and um, a two going on three-year-old. So can, can we jump into that and just have a bit of a chat about what that was like for you with the one and then how that kind of, you know, what your training was like with the one and how that kind of transitioned into what life looked like for that first, I guess, year or so with, with two. Yeah. I think we got really spoiled with our first one too. Cause another thing is like, you also don't know what the second kid is going to be like in terms of their yeah. schedule, in terms of like a hundred different things. So that's another unknown. Um, but with our first, Right off the bat, he was a really good sleeper. Um, he was sleeping through the night pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, so in terms of how my wife was feeling on a day-to-day -day basis, how I was feeling on a day-to-day -day basis, and then how that trickled into how often and how consistently we were able to get back into the gym uh, was a lot easier just because like our sleep was not affected as much. So mm -hmm. with the first one and his napping was really good too. So that was all really regimented. Whereas with our second, his sleep has not been as good. So I found that I've had to spend a lot more time watching both kids while my wife kind of finds time during the day to sleep or to do her own thing just to recover for the the next night of sleeplessness. <laughs> uh, so, so that definitely made things more challenging from one to two. And I think... It, it's just more like there's another kid yeah. in the house all of a sudden. So before when you could have like the first one having an hour, two hour nap in the afternoon, now like their naps don't overlap or the older one doesn't nap. <laughs> so like there's always a kid awake conscious in the house when I'm home. So 
that makes it much more challenging. And then I was also mentioning like my gym opens at 6 a.m., but one of my kids will wake up anytime between six and seven. So I can't really leave the house or go for a run or anything between six and seven. Um, so there's just all a whole new set of challenges that have been put into place now that the second has arrived. Not to terrify you, it might be <laughs> easy, it might be a seamless transition, but yeah, like I said, I definitely found it more challenging uh, going from one to two in terms of training only, mm. and then yeah, from yeah. Two to one. Like in terms of being a dad, I felt the one to two was easier in terms of yeah. like knowing what to do, certain anxieties you might have um and different fears and things like that you just kind of you're in the swing of things so you know what you're doing but in terms of training it was definitely more challenging yeah yeah and I, like with with that one to two thing about the being an you know being a dad and the actual stuff of you know what that entails like for me i was i was one of those guys that basically said i'm not going to change a nappy until i have my own kid and so i i stuck to that like i had multiple opportunities where i was asked or told i could and i said no no i made this decision that i'm not going to change some other kid's nappy i'm only going to change my own kid's nappy um yeah. obviously being uh you know male and a bit fearful of what that might entail and how gross that may be i, I don't know maybe it was just a bit of that and it was a good excuse for me not to do it um but with your own you've kind of you know you've got no option right so i remember sort of learning the ropes of that and we had literally just had harvey and um the midwives at the hospital were like you know sash obviously had just had a baby so she's not getting off you know she's trying to kind of recover from that and so i'm over there like you know and they're running me through step by step how you do this how you do that and so <laughs> i'm kind of like well there's going to be some things that are going to be like simple right you've changed nappies now for years. So, you know, so how you know, that's pretty simple and it's probably actually going to be easier because when you've got a two or three year old that can decide that they're going to just bicycle their legs while you're trying to change them and just boot your hands away and roll over or whatever, a newborn can't really move. Um, so it kind of, there's, there's those things that I'm like, ah, those bits are going to be better and I'm going to be more confident, but like, and, and, you know, you'll know a little bit more about, you know, what cries kind of might mean things. But I imagine even that changes a little bit from one to two, you know, like what's an actual, you know, full on cry or what's just a I need attention cry and those sorts of things. Did you find there was much like similarities between your two kids with that? Or did it take a little while to kind of learn how the second one communicated in that as well? Um, the first one was... Like he, like I said, he was just so easy in terms of his sleeping and his schedule. He was like on his nap schedule all the time. He slept through the night pretty early um, and he's pretty mild mannered. Whereas the second one is definitely more sensitive in many ways. Like he's uh, more attached to my wife, whereas the other one was a little bit less so. So um, I think in terms of personalities, there's huge differences. Like the first one's a lot more stoic and then our second son is more like goofy and happy and smiling all the time so you'll notice a lot of different personality differences yeah. um but then all the other basic stuff is kind of just the same like changing the diapers and um i didn't do it we didn't uh, do any bottle feeding or anything so i didn't have to do that but mm. just like the day-to-day -day stuff is pretty much the same like in terms of how you soothe them um, but you just find things that work for for both kids like our second wouldn't sleep uh he had a hard time going down to sleep so i'd always just put him in a carrier and go for a 30 yeah. to a 45 minute walk in the evening and that worked well for him whereas my first we didn't have to do that so i think it's a, a process of trial and error definitely for, for you've, both 
You've got me with a little bit of hope, though, Mark, because our first pretty much sounds like your second in terms of like the personality and the way that, you know, the the fact that he, you know, was a little bit challenging with sleep. Um, you know, he's always been a little bit more like attached to mum. I'll go in at the night as we discussed before this and you'll say, I want mummy or whatever it is. And, yeah. you know, it's like, you just have to put up with me, sorry, because mum's really heavily pregnant and probably isn't going to want to bend all the way down and sit or lie on your bed with you. Um, yeah. You know, always going to find more challenge from that. So it's probably not going to happen, mate. Um, but some nights, it, you know, he'll he'll still get pretty upset about that sort of stuff. But most of the time, he's pretty good. But I'm kind of like, you're describing essentially Harvey when Harvey was little, like in terms of the sleep stuff wasn't that consistent. Like he did have pretty good going down times. And we're quite lucky with him now that he's, he likes going to bed in terms of he's quite happy to, you know, go and be put to bed. It's just sleeping through still isn't a thing. He's had... He's had periods of time where he's done that for quite a long, a long bit. And then, you know, I've just kind of given up a little bit on that. And I just go and I'm like, no, mate, it's fine. Like you'll wake up at some stage between 10 and 12. And then, you know, I might just stay in your room because that's easier than me getting up and <laughs> getting up again during the night to go back out. Like, you know, it just works yeah. better. So you kind of got to do what works. So. <laughs> yeah, 100%. You figure it out. Like our first one, we were really strict on like sleep training and doing that with him and i think he was just kind of a natural with it in terms of figuring out how to sleep whereas the second one um not did so you try more. to do the same stuff no um the first one we did it just because we thought that was like the thing to do but then yeah. the more my, my wife has looked into it and researched it um she's kind of moved away from that philosophy yeah. Um, so we're a lot more lax with the the second one in terms of like being attentive to them, which it's definitely more effort. And for the adults, it's less sleep. But I think for our son, like the second one, who is a little bit less of a good sleeper, it's better for him. Like he probably feels uh, a lot more comforted more frequently. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah it's, uh, I think it comes down to what you want to do as a parent. But for our first, we did and our second, we didn't. And yeah, that's kind of just what we did. Yeah, yeah, it is funny, eh? Because like I've told this story before on the podcast, but my sister had um, four girls, and she always says to me that after the second one, I can hear Harvey just whacking something out in the kitchen. So hopefully it doesn't come through. Um, but after that, like she had four girls, and after the first two, she said if she had stopped there, she would have thought that she just had like parenting nailed, like they slept well, all that sort of stuff as little ones, and then they had the next two, and the next two have been a whole lot more challenging in terms of, you know, the yeah. sleep schedules and all those sorts of things. Um, it just hasn't been as seamless as the other ones, and she's like, you know, if we stopped after two, we would have just thought that we had this thing nailed, but then, you know, after having four, we're like, mm, it's probably the personality of the kid, because, you know, we got two, they got two very different ones to finish in terms of those sort of, you know, traits early on as to how i guess easy um they are to to parent if if that's the right terminology i don't think it probably is but you know what i mean um yeah 100%. and i've always found that quite fascinating and it's kind of made me you know when when people say oh it's because i do this or it's because i do that i'm always a little bit um like i'll accept that and i'll say yeah cool like that's great but that doesn't mean i necessarily actually deep down believe that sorry if anyone's told me that but deep down i may not actually believe you um just because i've heard you know that anecdote from my sister you know and maybe they changed something from two to two to three but i don't think it would have been that drastic because you know if you thought you had it nailed why would you change the process right <laughs> yeah and i think you can get into trouble there too um especially watching a lot of like parenting content on Instagram or wherever you're consuming that content, you start to think that 
there's maybe like a perfect phrase you could use or a schedule you could put your kid on or some technique that you can use that maybe you're missing. But if you just knew that one thing, then your kid would be a better sleeper or less violent or better behaved. But like you're saying, really, it come, I think it comes down to a lot of the personality of the child and their environment. And as parents, I think we do have a lot of control over certain things, but it's a, in my in my experience, I felt a lot uh, more at ease that I've kind of like given up some of that control and realized like these two boys are going to be kind of the way they are in a lot of ways. And I, there's nothing special or like perfect I can do to fix them or make them the way I want them to. So the more I've been able to step back and mm-hmm. observe them and obviously help to parent them as much as I can, but given up the the idea like if we just did this one thing he'd be sleeping through the night or if i just said this one thing maybe leo would stop pulling jack's hair or whatever it is um and just let them be crazy kids then the easier it's been for me yeah yeah that's i think that's some pretty wise advice and and it's quite funny you talk about like the perfect parenting advice and i remember i don't know if i've talked about this one before but pr- prior to having harvey um we read this book about what was it like French parenting techniques or something, which is quite funny when you mentioned this strong daddy France or whatever. Um, But it was like about French parenting and, you know, all these things to do with like routines and the ways that they do things and the weight, I think they called it. We like, you know, you don't respond straight away, you wait and then you go in Um, all these sorts of things. And I was like, man, this sounds like awesome. Like I'm just going to implement these things. Um, and, and, you know, and this is going to be easy. And I remember I spoke to one of my friends from work at the time and she just looked at me like, like she didn't really say anything, but like the look that she gave me and I was just like, ah, okay. That, that doesn't look like she thinks this is going to work. I mean, she, she'd had one kid. So I'm kind of like, ah, maybe, you know, maybe she just, you know, it was because of the kid or the way she parented or something, you know, she obviously didn't try these techniques is what I was thinking at the time, you know, as a naive non non dad, (laughs) she's obviously not done it the right way. That's why it didn't work for her. And then I'm like, Oh yeah. (laughs) You know, probably within a couple of months of Harvey, I'm like, yeah, I don't think this is going to work quite the way that that book told me it would, you know, and I read this whole book thinking, yeah, I've got all this stuff nailed and it's going to be absolutely great. And it was definitely not absolutely great. And it was a lot more challenging than I anticipated. And he didn't respond the way that the book mentioned that he probably would if I did A, B and C, you know, so I don't know, maybe I did it wrong. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you probably didn't follow the exact steps perfectly in order. Yeah. Yeah, read it again. Something. It. Yeah, read it again. <laughs> Give it a shot. That's very true. I'm gonna read it again. <laughs> no, and that kind of like plays into training too. Like a lot of dads I talk to have all the information and the knowledge of training and nutrition that they feel like they need, but yeah, it just does not compute to a life as a dad. So they just keep like <laughs> slamming their head into a wall with all this perfect optimal information they have, but it just doesn't work. So you have to ask yourself at a certain point, like, should I try a new strategy or should I try to acquire new knowledge or new skills or tools? But um, yeah, some things just don't apply to being a parent. So. And I think that's probably one of the things with training that for me has been real challenging. It's like, I'm from an academic, like sports science background. And so a lot of my knowledge around training is obviously based around you know, which method was shown to be the most effective, A or B, and, you know, how many sets do you need to do to be getting bigger, or how many sets do you need to do to be getting stronger, or what weight should I be using, you know, all of these things, which when you have 
I guess, less constraints on your training, um, you can most definitely, you know, put into action and you can get results from trying to sort of optimize each of those variables. But then, yeah, as you say, you have a baby and it's like, okay, so now these things that are great in the theory become, you know, nigh on impossible to actually implement in practice unless you, I don't know, maybe you're super wealthy and you can have a nanny and you can just give the baby off and, you know, you you know, you and your wife can go and do your training while someone else looks after your baby. Maybe you've got a really good family support system. I don't know what it is. We don't have that because our grandparents all live out of town. Um, but it's like, I don't know, like there's no way you can really go and implement those things for most people. You know, there probably are exceptions to that rule. But for most people, there's no way that you can go and implement like an optimal training program. Um, and I think you have to really get like I think you've talked about like an all or nothing versus uh, anything, you know, like that sort of a, you know, anything is better than nothing rather than all or nothing. And it's kind of like, yeah, that philosophy is, I think, bang on for the situation um, because it's very yeah. easy, you know, and I've had multiple guests say like the one of the biggest things you can do is just keep doing something. Like if you want to keep your rhythm and it doesn't have to be perfect training, you have to accept that it's not going to be perfect. But if you keep doing something, um, then you're less likely to sort of fall completely off the wagon and never get back on. Yeah. The only thing that I would really try and optimize would be long-term adherence to doing yeah. something, right? If you're trying to follow a perfect plan perfectly as a dad, for 90%, 99% of dads, like you're saying, there's probably that 1% that yeah. doesn't bother you, but 99% of dads, it's not going to work and you're going to get frustrated and feel like training maybe doesn't work for you or whatever it may be. But it's that all or nothing mindset, like you mentioned, that kills the progress of so many different people. And mm. for most dads or a lot of dads, they come from perhaps athletic backgrounds or like you're talking about, like sports science backgrounds or they have a lot of knowledge around training or they've done powerlifting or weightlifting or whatever it may be some other strength sport where everything before you have kids can be optimized and you're hitting specific reps at certain specific weights for specific sets on like certain days so everything is so rigid but when you move into life as a dad of one two multiple kids however many however many it may be and you try and apply that same training philosophy, it just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm always pushing anything is better than nothing because the goal is not to have an optimal training session. It's just to optimize the habit of training. Like yeah. you need to be training. So I had a guy ask me recently, like, yeah, I've been trying to get into running, but like sometimes I only have five minutes or like, or I said something about running for five minutes. He's like, but is that going to do anything? And before in the past, I'd say no. Like, I'd be like, probably not. If you're just like jogging for five minutes, it's not going to do anything. <laughs> but if anyone asks me, like, is a five minute workout going to do anything? I always say yes, like a hundred percent. Yes. It's going to do so much for you mentally in terms of momentum, building consistency, feeling good about yourself, like doing the thing. So implementing that habit and growing it. So yes, doing something mm -hmm. for five, even if you're running for five minutes, a hundred percent is going to do exponentially more for you than doing nothing like sitting on the couch versus opening your door, running two minutes, two and a half minutes down the street and two and a half minutes back is massive for a lot mm -hmm. of people. And if you can start just stringing that together day after day, um, what you'll find is you'll start doing more. So the idea is yeah, not to just yeah. five minutes a day for the rest of your life. Um, it's to eventually grow it into something more, but the trick is most people don't know what more looks like for them. Um, so someone could run for five minutes a day and then they're like, you know what? I'm feeling pretty good. I'm going to run for 10 minutes or I'm going to 
you know what? I feel like my conditioning's feeling better. So maybe I feel like doing jujitsu now or like some others. Mm -hmm. So I think it's so open-ended in terms of like anything is better than nothing. So just starting is, is so huge. And even if it's that smallest step is so important uh, for dads. So that's like my, my biggest thing is uh, the all or nothing mindset, just killing people and anything is better than nothing. Cause it truly is. Yeah, and I think there's even some stuff that's come out. I can't remember whose account I saw it on. It might have been, might have been Lane Norton or someone. Um, they were talking about like even micro dosing of exercise actually has been shown to have good health benefits. You know, like just in your yep. break at work, just storm up the stairs for thirty seconds, and then done. Like, and that's all you that you know, a couple of those a day, and it's like ah, okay, this kind of now speaks to me a lot more than it would have in the past. Like I would have said, oh yeah, it might have some benefits, but it's not going to make you better, like you know, or something like that. But in reality, it actually is. Um, yeah. <laughs> and because, you know, people could hear that and actually implement it. And I think one of the biggest, like, issues that people face is, you know, as you mentioned, there's heaps of information out there and you might be overwhelmed with all this information and there's so much there that it's hard to kind of choose what to do or how to do it. And so you just don't do anything because you're sitting there with that whole paralysis by analysis type philosophy. Um, whereas actually just do one of the things like you might choose the one that is two percent worse than the other one it's, it's like it's kind of like investing right if you sit there and hold on to your money and you don't put it into any type of fund well guess what your money's not going to grow right but if you choose the fund that's slightly worse but it's in there for another three years because you actually got out and did it well at the other end that compound actually means something um and i think that's kind of the same type of approach right as if you do nothing at all well you're not going to make anything something that you're doing can be a whole lot better um so yeah <laughs> Yeah. And that's exactly what doing something is. It's like an investment into something. It's not just like throwing it away and throwing your effort away for no reason, because there's so many different variables too that come into play, like your training history, uh, your genetics, like your nutrition, diet, how much you're sleeping, like whatever pursuit you are or whatever modality you are using to get in, into shape. So to think that you need to find the perfect program or to find the perfect exercise for you, to me, seems a little bit ridiculous when really the main goal should be doing the thing with as much intensity as you can, uh, appropriate for, for the moment or the movement. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of people uh, like allow themselves to check out because they say, is this going to be optimal or is this the right thing to do? Or is it going to make a difference? That's a big one. Um, and the answer is yes. Like anything is better than nothing and it's going to make a massive difference. So that's something I just started telling or I started telling myself to get over that hump myself where it was like when I was uh, weightlifting, it would be like or before I had kids, I, I was weightlifting. And then when I had a kid, I'd be like, well, I only have 45 minutes or like half an hour to train today and I can't do or I can't work up to the weight I wanted in snatches or my back squat. So I'm just going to rest like I'll take a rest day. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that cascades into like weeks and months of lackluster <laughs> training and you're just not making progress and it's brutal. So I eventually, and I got caught in that. I'd be like, uh, like I could do some pushups right now or like go for a run. No, like it's not going to make a difference. It's not like the right <laughs> thing to do. It's not optimal. Yeah. So then I just started telling myself like, is it going to make a difference? Yes. A hundred percent. This is going to make a difference. And I just kept telling that to myself and I found like, Oh wow, I'm, building momentum and I'm finding more time to train. I'm feeling better mentally. Like it just had so many different downstream effects on my life, adopting that mindset and answering yes to that question that 
um i'm just trying to tell as many people about that yeah yeah so so you kind of went back there so i think we could probably take this chance to kind of jump back into your history <laughs> um so you mentioned you mentioned a bit of weightlifting but like where where are you from what was life like for you as a kid did you have siblings like what was your kind of experience of growing up and how did you get to the stage of you know getting interested in fitness weightlifting and then having kids and kind of we've almost gone beyond I've almost done this almost backwards but that's absolutely fine but like who was mark when he was growing up and who was mark before he had kids yeah that's a good question i i'll try and make this as brief as possible um i was born in <laughs> toronto ontario which is in canada and i have an older sister and then two younger brothers and I was always really into athletics, so soccer, hockey, like whatever, ping pong, badminton, cross country. I would kind of do it all, like if it involved running or pushing people or whatever <laughs> <laughs> that you could do. And um, as I got older, I'm trying to think of like when I got into actually training because it was never emphasized yeah. through uh, middle school or high school. And then around university, I started going to the gym with my friends, but we would just do like bicep curls and sit-ups and things of that nature. And then once I graduated university, my cousin was like, hey, have you heard of CrossFit before? And I was like, no, I haven't. So he what did you uh, study? introduced me to that. And then I started going to a CrossFit gym and was blown away. Like I'd never done a back squat before. I'd never done a deadlift. I'd never done like any of those movements so yeah once i started doing that and i remember one of the coaches being like because i was pretty small at the time i was probably like 150 pounds 160 pounds so i was a small kid and the coach was like yeah you could probably be like back squatting 200 pounds in like a couple months or something like that and in my head i'm like is this guy insane like there's no way that's <laughs> happening and uh i remember the first time i did back squat 200 pounds which looking back is not that much but at the time i was <laughs> fired up like i was amped and then i started doing triathlons around that time just the sprint distances so not the full ironman ones um and when i was seeing tangible progress like i was getting faster my lifts were going up i was like building muscle like feeling good i was just i was blown away by that transition and that journey of progress that I'd never really experienced before because before it was like playing sports you just kind of like you either get better or you don't there's no real way to track it um so when I experienced that for the first time that's when I was like this is what I want to do like I want to be able to share this feeling mm -hmm. with other people because um <clears throat> just in terms of my confidence my mental health like it it checked so many boxes for me that I realized it was something I was going to do for the rest of my life. And so from there, I became... What, what had you actually studied, Mark? Because you mentioned this was after university or during university. What, yeah, what was so, your degree in? Yeah, so my degree was in English. I yeah. wanted to be a teacher at that time and then really quickly realized I didn't want to do that at all. Um, yeah. So yeah, then after I graduated, I that's when I got into training. And I think if I did get into training before i probably would have done something more related to training but it was just something mm -hmm. that i stumbled upon post uh like those education years traditionally yeah. and so then once i 
like got into training and kind of had my own transformation, so to speak. I became a, a personal trainer in Toronto for two years. I was working at like a really busy gym. So that was amazing to get experience working with people um, of all different ages. Like I was working mm-hmm. with a 12-year-old kid all the way up to like people in their 70s and 80s. Um, so that was an amazing learning experience for me just in terms of like learning how to work with different people and different goals and like how to regress movement and progress movements and program and all these different things. Um, and once I did that, I kind of got burnt out from the whole on the floor personal trainer thing. So I became a forest firefighter up here in Canada and then I did an internship at a gym in Florida called Strength Camp, which is a, like a pretty big, has a pretty big YouTube presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you know any of those guys, but I did that. I was an intern and then a coach there for over two years. And then I became a full-time firefighter up here in Canada and just continued on coaching uh, Olympic weightlifting in person and online until I switched to the strong dad club. I feel like yeah. I kind of bounced around there quite a bit. But <laughs> so is the strong dad club your full-time thing? Or do you still do firefighting as well? What's kind of the... Yeah, yeah, I'm a full-time firefighter and then yeah. I do a strong dad club as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. That's like, yeah, there's a lot There's a lot there. Like, you know, firefighting yeah. was going to be an English teacher. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's a few different pieces like in that puzzle. Like, I mean, firefighting is a pretty... Well, it sounds to me like it would be a pretty taxing taxing job, but how does it kind of work up there? Like, are you on for a certain number of days and then off for a certain number of days? Do you have shifts? Like, how does it kind of, how does that operate? Because that must be another bit of a spanner in the works in terms of your rostering of things. Yeah, we do. So we do 24-hour shifts, and yeah. I work anywhere from seven to, depending on overtime shifts, seven to, I don't know how many I've worked most, like 10 in a month. Yeah. Um, so, and then neither of our kids are in daycare. So when I'm home, it's like full on with the kids. <laughs> so like, I'll tell a lot of people I'm a firefighter and they're like, oh, you must have so much free time. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't. Um, so it works. I, I love the schedule. I think it's great. Yeah. Um, and it works really well with our lifestyle. Um, because I am able to train on shift, which is something that's amazing that they allow us to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that so must be we, a little bit like one of those things where you could get interrupted any time though as well, right? Like yeah. if you have to go, you have to go and, you know, you could be mid-bench press set or something and then it's chuck the bar back and go, right? Yeah. And then you're also not wanting to do like your hardest, heaviest sessions at work <laughs> True. When, when you could, could be going on a call. So um, yeah, it is. It's not the same as just like training on an off day, but it is something that definitely helps me stay on track and keep my momentum going. So the schedule is great. Um, has its pros and cons for sure. Yeah. 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 How did you get into firefighting? What was it that made you want to do that? Um, I would say there's a lot of reasons. Like I initially got into forest firefighting because I thought it would be really cool in terms of (laughs) the job. Like you get to go on helicopters and there's chainsaws and, there's forest fires and it's very exciting. And yeah, uh, that's kind of something that I, I wanted to get into. So that's why I did that. And then I had 
an experience when I was younger where I was choking on a mint at my sister's birthday party and my mom had to call 911 and they came and kind of like I didn't it wasn't a, a serious emergency they were just kind of like there with me and they just yeah. let the mint dissolve basically because uh, I could breathe a little bit but I just remember feeling like a sense of relief and safety and comfort when they arrived and it was just something that always came back to me in terms of like I want to be able to provide that same level of comfort and safety and just a feeling of like everything is okay now um, to other people. So that's why I would say like the deep rooted reason why I got into firefighting. And then the job itself is, is awesome in terms of mm -hmm. like the physical fitness that's required, all the different skills you need to learn, uh, working as part of a team. So there's so many different things that were attractive, attractive to me. Uh, about the career that drew me to it and yeah. just the fact that I can I could continue to coach on the side um, was another attractive thing like I'm not working nine to five so I am able to devote uh, certain days to uh, my online business and coaching yeah. people so that was another big uh, big plus yeah yeah is that something you'd want to do full-time or do you kind of like the balance of having both the firefighter piece with the training because obviously like that can be one of those things right when you're doing something you enjoy but you do it as all of the time and it's all that you do and it's got the pressure on it's kind of like sometimes it sounds almost like a better prospect than it is you know some people will find that other people will jump into it and love it what's kind of your perspective on that because you have done the full-time trainer thing when you were PTing yeah it's a good question and I think I like doing both like I like yeah. having multiple areas to put my focus into just because that's kind of my personality like i like the firefighting stuff i like getting better at that job i like being with the guys every day um mm. whereas what i do like during COVID, i stopped doing in-person stuff um and haven't really got back to it so the online sphere is a lot different in that you are connecting with people and talking to people over zoom or skype or whatever it may be and through text but it's nice being able to go somewhere physically and interact with people and <laughs> yeah. work together and do all that kind of stuff so i would like to do both um but um yeah it just depends like if the strong dad <laughs> club grew exponentially and just blew up then uh maybe it would be a different conversation but at the moment i like I like doing both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's quite an interesting one because it is one of those sort of you wouldn't know unless you were doing it full time type thing yeah. as well. Like right, like if you if it did blow up and you had all this interest and you know you were making enough to not have to do the other thing, it's kind of like would you still choose to do a bit of it or something because it gives you those pieces that you mentioned where you've got the you know actual contact with people and those sorts of things because that was probably one thing last year um, for myself when I was working and the majority of the job was remote um and i'd stopped coaching last year um so i didn't have like yeah i didn't have that human contact very often like i'd go down to wellington to where the sort of main office was and i might do a day there a week or um you know maybe two days or whatever it was but even during those there wasn't always lots of people around and it was different like you know you'd be in the office on monday and you might have a different set of people to who in the office on tuesday and so you didn't have that same sort of like relationship building that you get from a place where you are the entire time so it was quite interesting because you sort of realize like oh yeah this remote stuff sounds really cool and it's great and rah, rah, rah. But actually now that i've like 
my job at the moment um, in town is like I actually go in almost every day, even though I would be allowed to work from home, you know, at least one day a week or probably a couple of days a week. But I'm like, I kind of, you know, A, I'd get distracted if I'm at home and Harvey and Sasha are at home, right? Like, honest, that would be a little bit of a challenge to get stuff done. But actually, there is also that piece of there's something about actually seeing people and talking to people. And I don't know. <laughs> For me, I've kind of had a little bit of both and I'm like, ah, I do quite like the human contact. I don't want too much of it. Like, you know, sometimes it is nice to be able to have that day away, but actually, I don't know. There's something to that, eh? Yeah, 100%. And I think it is, in terms of, like, from a coaching perspective, I've found that people can get incredible results online, like exclusively mm. online, maybe talking to me occasionally uh, and like with midweek check-ins, end of the week check-ins, like tech support, whatever, they can get incredible results. So to me, um, a lot of times people will be like, well, in-person is superior. And I think for beginners it is, and people who are learning certain movements or like a particular skill, like whether it's um, weightlifting or whatever it may be, I think there's merit to that. But I think yeah. um, for a lot of people, especially with how busy our schedules are, there's a lot of merit to the idea that online can be superior but i like you're saying it is difficult sometimes to get that in-person contact and like be, be able to actually talk to someone so mm -hmm. um i think there's pros and cons to both but um as far as like efficiency and if you have a limited schedule like i would encourage people to to look to online options as an equal to if not superior method for getting results compared to like feeling like, ah, oh, like if I want to get re really good results, I have to go to this guy in person three times a week at these times. Um, cause sometimes that doesn't work for people. And I guess that's a, a strange little tangent I went on. I don't know why. <laughs> it's actually quite funny. Cause it makes me think of, um, like when I watch people in person PTing as well, like this is a really weird efficiency mindset, but I'm like, when someone's warming up on like a bike or a rower or something, <clears throat> the PT's just always standing there awkwardly like and they're kind of just like you know moving around like foot to foot like you can kind of see that they're just trying to waste time and I remember back to when I was coaching and you know in an in-person gym as well and it's the same sort of thing like I can remember those like you try to like almost awkwardly like just not sort of get too far in the way like let them warm up because they're not going to be able to have a full-on conversation with you if you're getting them to get their heart rate up a bit and those sorts of things and it's like <laughs> It kind of is like you've literally stood there for five or so minutes while I've done that. And I mean, yes, there probably is a relationship building aspect to that, right, which is important and making a connection with the individual that you're working with, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm also like, that looks like such an inefficient use of that five minutes for you. <laughs> um, yeah. And I mean, it's not it's not always like that. And, you know, there's other yeah. ways you can do that. We can get them warming up or you're getting ready for something or setting something else up for them, whatever it might be. There's other ways to do that. And yes, there's the benefit of developing the relationship with using that time effectively to talk check how they're feeling make sure that they're ready for the session all those sorts of things but i mean you, yeah i don't know there's just parts of it we like there is like inefficiencies to being in person as well as to being online right this traveling time to the gym all of those sorts of aspects as well which yep. i think even with a workplace scenario right if you work from home you literally open up your laptop and the day starts you know like there's no ironing your shirt getting in the car driving to work parking the car you know, walking in like, and there's what, half an hour, you know, I'm in Palmy in New Zealand, Palmy's the North, which is quite a small town. So it takes me literally 10 minutes to drive to work. If you lived in Auckland or a big city overseas, obviously that might be an hour or more um, of your day just to get to work. And it's like, man, 
that seems so inefficient to me. And I'm like, I talk about efficiencies and efficiencies, and then I'll go and waste time on Instagram. You know, like it's. <laughs> do you really gain yeah. anything from those little, you know, 20, 30 minute windows if you just sit there mucking around? I don't know. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where I was going with that, but hey, it's kind of like, you know, there's there's benefits, there's positive and negatives to both, right, to being in person, at home, um, and it depends which way you're looking at what season of life you're in, if you're capable of doing that, if there's a good trainer available to you, all of those sorts of things, you know, because some people in small places might not have access to, you know, great trainers. They may, but they may not be, they may be hard to find, you might not be at the same gym at them, all of those sorts of things as well. So, um, yeah, don't know where we're going with that, but anyway. <laughs> no i think um, it, I, they're, all, they're all valid points <laughs> one of the things i was sort of interested in is kind of like what you actually do um so when you do like the strong dads project that you're doing at the moment that's what's called a strong dad project um yep. like what is the sort of stuff and what does your other i guess coaching with the dads <clears throat> look like like what do you do with people how does that work? What do people kind of get from that? And what are some stuff that you've kind of seen and why are you so passionate about it as well, I guess? Yeah. So the stuff I do with dads now or leading up to the strong dad project has always been one-on-one. Um, mm. And it's pretty, I don't think there's any secret sauce or anything like that to online coaching. It's just a matter of providing people with accountability figuring mm -hmm. out where they're starting from, figuring out where they want to go, and then giving them easy, actionable steps and a system to follow to get to where they want to go. And then along the way, obviously, there's going to be setbacks and hiccups and then just being there for them in those moments to mm -hmm. be able to talk them through those things that normally would derail someone, but instead you can just use it as a learning, move, uh, learning moment and move yeah. forward from there. So a lot of my coaching, uh, like I said, has been one-on-one. -on -one. And then it's just dads who want to get back to where they were before they had kids. So able to train consistently, like their nutrition more dialed in, feeling better, feeling more energetic, um, not feeling overwhelmed by a multiplicity of choices or paralyzed by all those different choices, paralysis by analysis, like you were talking about, mm -hmm. um, and get them to a place where training and eating well and being in great shape is just like brushing your teeth, right? Like, I think that's what I've found in my own journey, like training to me and eating well to me is not like this hard, strenuous effort thing I have to do every day. It's just kind of what I do. So if I yeah. can get other dads to that place where being jacked and strong and in good, uh, having good endurance and um, like feeling energetic and all these different things is just kind of like what they do. And it's not like an efforty thing then that's what I do through my coaching. It's not, um, it's nothing that crazy. It's not rocket science. It's just meeting them where they're at and then giving them small steps to get there. And um, usually it just entails like me programming for them based on their schedule and their goals and their equipment, et cetera. And then checking in with them regularly, Zoom calls, making sure they're on track. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas everything I've learned from that process, the one-on-one -on -one thing I've put into the strong dad project, which will be more of a, it will have a one-on-one -on -one component for sure. Like that accountability, but it's also yeah. going to have a course that goes along with it, which just has different modules throughout the, the six weeks going over all my main talking points, like uh, everything from the onboarding process, uh, what they need to do to get started. 
Um, then we do, we just basically go through different phases there, like an awareness phase, um, which involves like tracking what they're eating for a little bit, tracking their workouts, and then uh, an action phase where they will be like putting everything into practice more vigorously. And then the final phase is like an adaptability phase so that they're able to step out of the project feeling like they have the habits in place, the skills they need, and then the tools they need as well to continue to make progress for the rest of their lives. So um, for me, it's it was really an idea of condensing it into six weeks and giving people everything they need to, yes, get a transformation after the six weeks, but also continue that on for the rest of their lives and be able to adapt to new situations. So um, it does have also like a group component to it. So that's mm -hmm. why it's a little different, but it's more of like a intensive course with me, like going step-by-step step with you and a group component, as opposed to my one-on-one -on -one coaching, which is uh, usually a little, goes on a little bit longer. Like I've worked with people, some people for over two years. Um, and so I'd say those are the the main differences. Yeah, it's interesting because eh? I have sort of with I have one on one stuff, which I've done a lot of before and I've sort of tried to do a bit of the group stuff at the moment. And we've got the um, Stronger Dads online training community. I think the name is a bit long. <laughs> I probably need to pull that back at some stage and make that sound different, but more catchy, you know, um, SDOTC yeah. doesn't even sound that good, you know, as an acronym. So um, <laughs> but it's been quite interesting with that as well. Like, you know, I've created the onboarding and those sorts of things. But when you talk about some of that material and creating stuff that kind of um people can kind of have as a resource and i i liked kind of what you said about it saying they can carry on doing forever like i think that's probably part of what you're doing which i think is is quite smart right you're trying to help people form habits and stuff that almost kind of makes them not need you um as such like yeah. i mean there's still a lot of advantages to having a coach in terms of the accountability and stuff but if you can empower someone you know whose whose goals may not be performance oriented they might not want to be a weightlifter or a powerlifter like you know like a lot of my my one-on-one -on -one, a lot of them are still strength athletes right because that's my background is strength coaching um yeah. but if you're able to empower someone to actually just make way better habits in life make fitness good eating all of that stuff stick in nature as you said like I think that's probably a pretty good win, even just from a philosophy, you know, philosophy perspective or a, like, you know, principles of why you do what you do like thing. Like if people come away and they can actually carry on doing that and they don't even need you, like you almost make yourself a little bit redundant, which sounds unwise. But at the same time, that's the whole point, right? Is um, you're not wanting to keep this thing to yourself and only have as an exclusive thing that people that are working with you can get access to, right? It's something that you kind of want to have empowered people to be able to make better decisions themselves. They can be better dads and live for longer and all of those things um so yeah <laughs> yeah and i and that's the thing too like once you get to the place where you're training consistently and it's a part of your life and you're eating in a certain way and like all these different things are lining up in your life to lead to you being strong and healthy and feeling mm. amazing in your body like that's not hard now like for me that's not hard to train yeah. and to eat in a certain way it's not difficult but <laughs> I think people think it is. And yeah. what is difficult is going from the mindset of like, I'm stuck here. I'm overwhelmed there. I'm frustrated. I've been trying for so long. It's not working. Um, like if I do want to make a change, it's going to be too difficult. That's really difficult to be in that place. Mm -hmm. And then to take the step out of that place into a place of like ease and 
like this is what I have to do to make progress and it not being as overwhelming as you thought it would be. That's the difficult thing to do. Like there's a lot of fear associated with that. There's a lot of hesitancy. Like, is this going to work? Cause it's supposed to be really hard and I'm supposed to have to grind and like grip my teeth the whole time. Um, so I think that's an important thing for people to realize. Like once you get to a certain level with your training and your eating, it's not that hard. Like my life, I'm not David Goggins every day, like <laughs> having to like conquer my inner bitch. Like I just kind of like enjoy training. I enjoy eating well. And I have like systems that I put in place that I follow and different skills and tools I utilize that are very simple um, that allow me to stay strong and lean and jacked all the time. Um, and it's that initial phase, that initial step that's really scary and difficult for people. But I think that's a, a mental hurdle that people need to get yeah. over where they think like, I would get in shape, but it's going to be like so hard and like miserable and it's going to suck. And I don't want to do that <laughs> for the rest of my life, but it's easy. I don't yeah. know. If I, I, I like the kind of the thing I think when you say that as well as like, it's when it's something like for myself, like I've been training since I don't, know, I, I don't know when I wasn't training, you know, like that's kind of almost like my mindset, like back to being, a, you know, a, a child. I remember we had a, like, we lived about 1.6 K, so a mile up a road, right? So out and back was two mile run basically, or 3.2 Ks. And I would just go and do that, you know, like when I was training for rugby, because that was the length of road that I had, right? Like, you know, we're out on the farm, it was a long straight piece of road flat as so you just go out and back. Um, and, you know, I don't even remember when I first started doing that, but that was kind of like one of my first type of training things was, well, I'm just going to run, like running's meant to be good for you. Um, you know, so I would, I would go and do that. And that was for rugby, probably in my early teens, you know, and ever since then, there's been some form of training. Some of that's been structured, some of that's been unstructured, whatever it is. But like, I don't remember any time within that for me that I haven't been doing something. Um, and predominantly all of my training when I was growing up and even, you know, now, I guess, there's a performance goal which works for me because it keeps me on track and it keeps me having a bit of accountability to myself because you you know numbers don't lie if you want to bench press x or you want to squat y or you want to run this you you kind of have to do it right so i've always kind of had that little bit of a performance aspect and a competitive aspect whether that be with others or with just myself nowadays you know it's not really i'm i'm not going to go win any half marathons like that ain't happening um but by the same token, like I can still have competitive goals that are valid and still have competitive goals that help me to keep my fitness, my health, my eating, like those things and in, in relative check so that I don't fall off the wagon. But then actually, because I've done that so long, I just enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. You know, like um, and I, I think Eric Helms put up a, a post a few years back where he's kind of basically saying, like, don't put him on some pedestal because he exercises. He actually just likes doing it. Like he doesn't have this Dave Goggins or doesn't need to have this Dave Goggins mindset because he likes training. Um, so for him, it's easy. So I kind of liked that description that you said of, you know, like you get to this point where it is just something you do. Um, and for me, that's definitely the case. I I prefer to have my exercise in and I prefer to do that stuff rather than not, because otherwise I end up in a bit like meant like I just get itchy feet or something like I need to do something and like my wife would probably rather I went and did something than didn't do something because I'm probably a nicer person to be around right you know like yeah it's kind of, I, I, don't always know. Say, I always <laughs> say the main reason I train is to be less annoying 
<laughs> I might take that and then you know if Sash says yeah. anything to me I might have to say that the exact same line like well do you want me to be less annoying because if I train then I'll be less annoying you know it works, it works. 100% of the time it works <laughs> cool man I'm just looking at the time I did mention before yeah. we started that unfortunately I do have a little bit of a hard stop today so um I might just look to get us into the final three. I feel like we could uh, yarn for quite a bit longer. Maybe we'll have to have another one at some stage and get a bit of an update on how some of that stuff's been going for you um, with that Strong Dads project that you've been kicking off because um, yep. it'd be quite cool to see how that kind of worked worked out for you. Um, at least from my perspective anyway and this is my yep. podcast so i can you know i can talk about what i want on here right i own it so yep. <laughs> um but let's jump into those final three man i sent you those yep. um three questions through um and basically we just ask these to every guest um that we have on the podcast at the end of the show just to kind of get sort of a consistent set of um information i guess coming back from people and i think it's just kind of a good one to get you thinking and a little bit selfish from my perspective because they're things i'm interested in right um, so that first one there is what is one key parenting tip or word of advice that you would have for new dads? So we're thinking the first few years of being a father. Yeah. So I would say the the two biggest thing, I know yes for one, I'll, I'll do two really quick. <laughs> so the first one is you're not alone. And I think yeah. that's something that is really important because a lot of time people will just be like, oh, it's really hard or it's amazing or it's the best or whatever it may be. But for a lot of dads, they go through periods of like very intense struggle in terms of like anxiety or depression or whatever it may be due to mm. such an extensive identity shift and sleep schedule change and responsibilities and you're like losing your old life and stepping into a new one very dramatically and drastically yeah. um so i think sometimes people or dads especially probably moms too obviously they think they need to be like in a joyful blissful state at all times with a new child, but oftentimes there's like very scary moments. There's very uh, anxiety inducing moments. There's like moments of irritability and just not feeling great. And mm -hmm. I think if you are a new dad and you are experiencing those things, it's important to realize you're not alone. And a lot of other people experience that and go through that, the full range of human emotions. Um, so don't feel like you're the only one or there's something wrong with you because that's very common and uh, we're all going through it together. So I'd say that's the, the number one thing. And then also something I think of pretty frequently uh, is the phrase, this too shall pass. And I think of that in tough moments, like if my kid is screaming in my face in the middle of the night because he wants his mom, but she's sleeping and I'm watching <laughs> him. Uh, <laughs> and he's doing that for like half an hour. And I just, this too shall pass. And it allows me to get through it. And also when I'm experiencing moments of like being in awe of my children and joyful and just really experiencing an amazing parenting moment, I think that mm. same thing. And it makes me appreciate it on a deeper level than I would if I was just kind of like moving through my day. So those two things, you're not alone and this too shall pass have been very uh, helpful for me. That's good, man. I, I like both of those a lot <laughs> and and that this too shall pass uh is definitely one that's going to be on my mind probably when i have a screaming newborn in a week or yeah. so <laughs> yeah, exactly. um and then on to that second one man the most helpful um new habit or something you've changed in the last year it doesn't have to be related to training or um parenthood it can kind of be anything yeah so this one is not related to training whatsoever but and I kind of did it before we had kids, but not as, uh, I wasn't as hard line about it. And that's mm. 
cleaning the kitchen and the like the play area room uh before i go to bed and before i would do that pretty much I would say most of the time, but I'd be a little bit lax about it. But now with kids getting up early, I've found that if I can create some semblance of order in the house and cleanliness <laughs> and kitchen clean, then when everyone comes down in the morning at whatever hour that may be, uh, it's a lot more calm and you feel a lot better having everything ready for the day. Because a, a couple times I've come down with like a baby at, 5 30 in the morning and the house is a wreck and you're just like this is not it so that habit of like every single night without fail making sure the kitchen's clean and the living room is clean uh has served me really well in terms of my mental health I would say. <laughs> so that's a new one i have i haven't heard that one before but i like you know i haven't heard it as the habit that someone's put on but i think there's you know there's a lot of logic to that and the yeah. I, I would say that my um my wife would probably be more on, on par with you with that. You know, I would be less worried if there was a little bit of mess myself. But when you described it as you get up in the middle of the night or early in the morning and it's like that, I'm like, I can see why I there's a benefit it. there, you know, like, because yeah. <laughs> you're going to be waking yeah. up in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I can't do it anymore. So that's, the, yeah, that's the habit I put in and it's helped a lot. Cool, man. And then the last of the final three is any book and or podcast recommendations. Um, I found that the, the podcasts I've been listening to more recently are like more personal interest ones. Like I'm really mm -hmm. into hockey. So I like listening to all different kinds of hockey podcasts. Um, I've kind of drifted away from listening to like a lot of training type podcasts or anything like that. Um, so I don't have any great podcast recommendations. I am reading a book right now called uh warriors and warriors and mm. it's all about um the differences between uh young boys and young girls as they grow up and how they react to different like school situations and daycare and all that kind of stuff and just the differences in their personalities and how they interact with each other um and like groups of the same sex groups of different sex um so that one has been really really interesting and it's cool mm. reading it uh, having kids, especially, I wouldn't have probably been interested in it before I had kids, but reading it now, it's, uh, it's cool to read it and then see it play out with kids <laughs> you see on a, on a day-to-day -day basis. And I yeah. can't remember who wrote that one. Um, I don't think there'll be many books with that now. <laughs> I think that's the only one I think, uh, yeah, I can't remember who it was. That doesn't matter. But yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, all, that's all good. Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. It's been awesome to have you on and great to kind of get to meet you and have a yarn about things and, you know, have some of these shared experiences of um, of parenthood and being a father. I think it's always really interesting to sit down and, and chat with someone who, you know, is on a similar page and kind of, um, I guess, is going through a similar phase is probably the easiest way or the simplest way to yeah. put it. And also to get your insights into having two, which, uh, again, see, I selfishly take this podcast to places I want it to go, which is absolutely fine, because as I say, yeah. it's my podcast. Um, but, I, you know, I enjoy chatting about that. And uh, hopefully it all works out that I have the uh, the sleepy child the second time. Um, and if I get another one who's not a sleepy child, I mean, hey, that's that's fine. I, that's what I'm prepared for. So um, or I'm, I'm expecting, you know, so that's that's all good. Um, where can people find you, though, before we finish? Mark. yeah the only place right now is on instagram at the strong dad club i have a website as well that you can check out and i have like old youtube videos that you can find of me back in the day before i was a dad if you just type in mark novak weightlifting you can find that content 
some of it's pretty funny. So uh, you might <laughs> want to check that out, but nothing's been updated in years. So yeah, Strong Dad Club on Instagram is uh, where you can learn more. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Stronger Dads Collective podcast. If you found anything within this episode valuable, please be sure to share it with someone else who you think might benefit from its content. Don't forget to give the podcast a rating on whatever platform you're listening to. If you want to follow along with what I'm up to, you can follow me on Instagram at hjp underscore stronger dads. If you're interested in any of my coaching services or learning more about me, just head to hjpmethod.co.nz. That's hjpmethod.co.nz. Right, we'll see you on the next one.